I have the, the page about the Gungans here that I can read to you guys while we're getting things ready, if you'd like. Oh, please do. Yes. <laughs> Would you like me to read about Boss Nass? No. <laughs> Ruler of Utha Gunga, the largest lake city, Boss Nass is a stern, old-fashioned Gungan <laughs> who speaks galactic basic with a strong accent. He commands great authority even in the communities beyond Othgunga. Oh. It has grown large and prosperous in his advancing years. It is in Bosnas's power alone to summon the Gungan Grand Army, which is made up of Gungans from all settlements. I did not know there were multiple Gungan settlements. Interesting. Hmm. Can you picture a movie of nothing but Gungans then? You know what's interesting, though? Like, so at the end of um, Return of the Jedi, when they, the, the edited Return of the Jedi, where they're showing the other planets um, celebrating the fall of the Empire and everything. So that came out when we were in high school. So before episode one. Right. And it's kind of interesting because they show. Because even it, then. They played open Gungan style. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but they Ladies show... <laughs> at the time, you didn't know anything about it, but they show Naboo, and they show Gungans in that city. So somehow, either they went in and snuck that in, and I'm just remembering it always being there, or they had the designs and the plans for this before episode one came out. I don't know. It's interesting. I think that's given Lucas way too much credit. I think he snuck it in. Yeah, he snuck it in. Sneaky little Lucas. Sneaky the bastard. All right, guys. I'm ready whenever you all are. Cool. All right, shirts off, dudes. Do it. Welcome to the Bullpark Podcast. This is Josh Heiser here with James Profit. And we got our same crew of Star Wars Snucky nerds. Looking nerd herders, Misfits. right? Just a I bunch of myths. Hoping you guys would say your name. <laughs> we are here for our top five now. Uh, moments from the Star Wars movies. So that is episodes one through nine and the two uh, Star Wars story movies that are kind of one off. So um, anybody got anything before we get started? We can jump right in. Well, I'm I'm looking through the visual dictionary here and I know that Nick is really into Jar Jar Binks. Um, so they have Seriously. this really nice, they have this nicely, uh, diagrammed drawing of Jar Jar's. And did you know that he has tight trousers at the end to keep out swamp crawlies? <laughs> I feel so oh, bad for who wrote that section of the book on Jar Jar Binks. So would that be some sort of like Gungan venereal disease? <laughs> swamp <laughs> crawlies? <laughs> <laughs> with with that intro, I'm good. Give uh, my number five. We are back at Ha, and my number five is the battle scene. So 
I think it is about like nine minutes long or something. So my specific moment is I love the walkers and uh, my see, my moment is when the pilots wrap them up and bring them down with the, the tow cable. Yeah, the tow cables. Yeah. 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 So that's I just think it's super cool and visually striking and just just a really <clears throat> moment. It is active, that's, but, you know, that's in Harry Strikes Back, right? Yep. Yeah. Joseph, what's your number five? All right, so I kind of went, like, kind of like Josh's. It's a very long scene, so I had to go with a specific quote for it to be a moment. But it is Kylo in the throne room with Snoke. Similar to what I think Bill mentioned, I love any villains in these movies. Also, like Nick, I fell in love with Darth Maul. Um, But probably my favorite, unless you count Kylo, uh, is Snoke. Um... I think a lot of it has to do with Andy Serkis, best actor of all time. And <clears throat> this scene is so good because uh, I feel like watching a lot of Star Wars movies in a row, you kind of pick up on the, I don't know if you would call it trope or just, um, you know, whatever theme that there's these levels of baddies, if you will. So you get the sense in Rogue One that Krennic's this huge badass and then He's like, well, really, you kind of start to see that Darth Vader is way more powerful than him. And then you realize, oh, Palpatine's even more powerful than him. Um, Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of uh, putting Kylo in his place almost. Kylo fails to see that that Finn is um, a traitor and leaves uh, defects, if you will, uh, leaves them vulnerable. So Snoke is basically starting off the scene saying, you know, you were the new Vader. You were supposed to be the, the great one, whatever. And then he ends up saying, uh, you're nothing but a child in a mask. And the way Andy Serkis delivers that line is so good. Alas, you're no Vader. You're just a child. In a mask. So, like, just full of disgust and you also get to see the amazing actor Adam Driver who's dealing with like why am I putting up with this nonsense um you know he he even says in the thing in that scene that he's feeling the pull uh, to the light so um not really uh not really a good move on Snoke's part to piss him off if he's already thinking about going to the light so that was my rambling, stumbling version of my number five. <laughs> good stuff, Bill. It's a good thing. Bill? My number five, uh, it comes from episode three again, just because I, I didn't quite realize how much I loved this movie until I was, until I was putting this list together, but, um, but it's Order 66. The time has come. Execute. Order 66. So again, it goes back to, you know, something you hear about. You know, we grew up hearing about in all these other movies about, like, the Jedi being wiped out and then actually seeing it happen in these quick little vignettes uh, on these amazing-looking alien planets. And it's just fast, and the clone troopers are in different uniforms, you know, that you're seeing these different clone commanders 
and they show you the scene just long enough, at least for me, to feel bummed when they cut away from it. You're like, no, 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 go back to the giant fungus planet. And then they cut to, you know, they're on speeder bikes, and then they pull back, and then they, you know, blast the Jedi that's on the other speeder bike. And they're like, whoa, 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 what were, what were they doing? And then, like, it cuts to another one, and this is, like, one after another after another after another. And then it ends with you know, what was going to be Yoda's turn. And it's kind of like what Nick said in the last episode about it's just awesome to see Yoda, this Jedi master we've heard about, doing awesome things. And he does the flip that cuts off the head of two of the clone troopers that are trying to kill him. And Chewbacca and Tarful are kind of like, what the hell just happened? And they just, they go with them. So again, it's, it's just amazing to see uh, something that we knew about was going to happen, but seeing it happen. And then again, I had a cool theater experience as well, because everyone in the theater, at least when I saw it, uh, were just, there was no reaction at all. Like you could have heard a pin drop watching it happen because it's like, okay, we got to know these Jedis in one way or another. And now we're watching them being slaughtered one after another and then moving on. So it's just a great scene, great visuals, it was awesome seeing it in the story. So that that's my number five. So I, had totally I added for wrestling about Yoda fans. flipping and chopping the heads off. That was amazing. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, James. For all right, for wrestling fans, what you're describing there, the Jedi just kind of getting mowed down one by one. That's the equivalent of the Undertaker streak ending at WrestleMania thirty. Yeah, where the three count hit and the bell ring, and instead of like cheering or booing, you just see like seventy thousand people kind of slowly stand up and start looking around in confusion, and then you just see thousands of people with their hands clasped behind their head, like in disbelief, like what did I just watch? <laughs> and I love that that's what happened in the theater because that scene is so intense and it's such a downer, and again, it's sort of like the destruction of your heroes in that scene, you know. Yeah. So are the stormtroopers Brock Lesnar then? <laughs> ba, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> and Emperor Palpatine is Paul Heyman. Oh, no! <laughs> Vader! <laughs> Do my bidding. Oh, man. I love, I love that, that the Undertaker up. keeps coming, be, keeps uh, being brought up in this. <laughs> that scene is in uh, one of my honorable mentions, so great pick. And to bring that, we are kind of celebrating the Undertaker with that. It's not like we're burying. Oh no, him. I, I am. <laughs> it's not like we're reaping his soul or anything. <laughs> what I am is the Reaper of Wayward Souls. No, not at all. Dragging him to hell. <laughs> you will face eternal judgment at the hands of Vader. So that's actually a nice segue because my number five, Dragging to Hell, is the escape from the Sarlacc pit. My eyes are getting better. Instead of a big dark there, I see a big light there. There's nothing to see. I used to live here. You're going to die here. Convenient. I mean, yes. So I'm going to tell you straight up, right up front, that the rest of my... My choices here on my list are all like super action packed. There is no like, there's no emotional like tugging at the heartstrings. There's no 
well-written lines. There, it's just action. It is. Oh my gosh! That's one of the things that makes Star Wars movies so fun. Yes. That being said, this is if you if you know Star Wars and know like people that pick apart Star Wars, this is the the scene that is brought up for bad choreography where Luke goes to kick the guy in the face and misses by a mile. So tie into wrestling. WrestleMania three. Um, oh, but, Kirshner. Yeah. Yes. The Kirshner. So, yes. This scene though, I mean, everything about it, just the build up to it. What was mentioned earlier about Leia choking out Jabba the Hutt with a chain. Um, I mean, even the part of R two D two shooting the lightsaber out of his head to send it to Luke. I mean, yeah, that was totally cheesy, but oh my gosh, the whole thing. And the whole thing, even the the like Han still being blind in like accidentally knocking Boba Fett into the Sarlacc pit. Boba Fett is supposed to be this tremendous badass. That is what we've been told for so long. I mean, but he's kind of not like he's not. I'm he's sorry, totally sorry not. if I just jump in, like because I was watching that scene and and that scene almost made it on my list pretty high because I'm like. This seems pretty badass, but then when that happened with, and I know there's stories where, you know, Boba Fett escapes the Sarlacc pit and everything, but I just, like, Boba Fett is super cool, but in that scene, I think he's just the product of some really good PR. Oh, yeah. Where, like, he looks awesome, but he still got taken out by a blind dude carrying a stick, you know, sorry to interrupt. If you look back... The badassery of Boba Fett is just mythology has, that has been created since that movie. Yeah. At that point, the only reason that Boba Fett was cool was because he had a really cool-looking costume. So, But other than that, I mean, that whole scene, everything about it, I mean, just the lines in that scene, like there's comedy throughout. There's ah, – I mean, even, even Luke – seemingly taking the suicidal leap off the plank and then flipping back on. I mean, oh my gosh. I mean, I, I, I really do hate that Lucas went back and re-edited it to give the Sarlacc pit a beak because it looks so much more terrifying before. Yeah. But, oh gosh, that whole scene. And then just the payoff of it is like they escaped. You think that this is going to be this, like, there's no way out of this kind of thing. And seeing it for the first time, I really wish at this age I could go back and see it for the first time, not knowing what's going to happen. And I still think the payoff would be just as good. Yeah. Yeah. You guys Do you mind are right. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I, what I think I, I love about, what I love about that scene is it's kind of the overall theme of star wars where you know he's just re lucas is just retelling the hero's journey so he's just taking some really old ideas and putting them in space you know like uh joe said in the last episode about yoda and the kind of similarities to to buddhist teaching like is this old ideas but he's putting it in space which makes it cool so essentially what you have is you have an old style swashbuckling pirate scene i mean that's what it is i mean it's 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 a cool pirate scene where he's literally walking a plank but he's not on a ship in the ocean he's on a spaceship in a desert getting thrown into a sand monster um yeah totally put a feather in his hat and he's jack sparrow 
Yeah, and, and, and the, you know, that scene where the lightsaber ignites, uh, up until that point, the only color lightsaber we'd ever seen before had been red and blue. So the, that change of green, it's awesome. Like, you know, and, and I agree with you, Nick. I kind of wish, in a way, I could see that scene for the first time now and just appreciate how awesome that is. You know, kind of like the when you mentioned Han being frozen in carbonite. I couldn't imagine what the audiences were thinking when they saw that back in the day, because the good guys aren't supposed to lose. The good guys are supposed to win. And now here's one of the best good guys being frozen in a block of whatever the hell carbonite is, you know? So yeah, it was so a what great you're saying is we should pull a C3PO and just have our memories wiped. Yeah, exactly. I'm exactly. sure there's a pill for that. Yeah. And, and it's amazing too. The fact that they built a full size sail barge in the desert and then blew it up in real life. I mean, that makes, the scene so even cool. better yeah i mean practical effects i'm sorry but practical effects are just oh my gosh they make a movie so much better when you can appreciate that that actually happened and if you watch that scene and watch how some of those stuntmen hit the sand when they are thrown off the skiff i'm surprised that they did not actually die when they fell into that pit because some of those guys I'm assuming they were all guys hit hard and they did not hit in natural positions when they were being thrown off that thing. You know, yeah, those dudes walk like Yoda to this day. <clears throat> well, and here's the thing I noticed. I'm sorry. I don't want to hide your thing, but like, so they reveal themselves. They start fighting the skiff guards, which the skiff guards are awesome because they're, you know, really cool looking aliens. They have these weapons available to them, presumably. And what Lando Calrissian starts hitting them with his helmet. So I don't know what happened in the filming or the planning that, like, instead of using his blaster or vibroaxe that he had, he decides to start hitting the guards with his helmet. Like, I, I, I didn't notice that until this last time I was watching. I'm like, he's hitting them with a helmet. I don't understand why he's doing that. Uh, it's guerrilla warfare, man. You do what yeah. you got to do. Tangent over. Sorry. Oh, you're fine. No, you guys yeah. are right. Quick tangent. That sucks. So, James, you're number five. Quick tangent. Number five. Jack Sparrow, no credit. <laughs> By the way, I wanted to back up. The thing, Bill, you were saying about, like, it's essentially like a pirate movie. That's yeah. the thing about sci-fi, right? You can do anything <clears throat> as long as you adhere to the rules you've previously established at the beginning. And Star Wars cast such a broad net of, like, oh, it's across the galaxy. That, that was a brilliant move in the inception of the idea of Star Wars. You can do anything. Make a million movies, tell a million different stories. It never runs out because it's just a different planet, different group of people. It's incredible. Yeah. And again, just the brilliance of the concept itself. But going back, number five, this could have easily been my number two, and it probably would be in a different mood. But when I made the list, it was number five. Rogue One, Vader's casual stroll down the hallway where he just mows down a dozen guys. <laughs> yes. Okay. I will so, say I have more to say on that later. All right. I, I think everybody's just quiet. <laughs> yeah. I, I figure everybody else is going to talk about this later, but. Well, that's, that's actually my number four. So I'm not <laughs> yeah. far off on that one. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to hold off until I, I get to that. Yeah. I'm not saying which one it is on mine. Okay. I'm going to include this as uh, a. I'm just going to spoil this out. This is going to be the stinger at the end of this episode. This will be the little hidden gem. But if you've never seen this, I just saw it for the first time in the last week. 
go to YouTube, look up Girl Crying Rogue One. It's one of the most joyful things I've ever seen. <laughs> and so I read the backstory to it on uh, one of the videos. So here's the deal. Like, this girl was a Mormon missionary. She was on her, you know, like, mission field trip for two years. Uh, they're not allowed to watch TV, not allowed to see movies. She's a massive Star Wars fan. So she had just gotten back. She's seen some friends for the first time in forever. And she hasn't gotten to see Episode 7 or Rogue One yet. And so she's only heard, like, oh, yeah, you'll like it. And they're showing the last, essentially, two minutes of the movie where Vader, we find out why everybody is afraid of Darth Vader just in, like, a 40-second shot. It's not long. And it's, again, like, Nick, you've been talking about these great adrenaline pumping moments. Like, adrenaline is at a max for me. Absolutely. just like. Right, and, like, the staging of it is so good. You know, you just hear these guys, like, come on, come on, they're all trying to open this door that's stuck. And then the lights go out, and you hear a door shut, and then you just hear the breathing, like, twice. Oh, man. And then, like, the lightsaber comes on, and so you see the red lightsaber and just, like, the silhouette of Darth Vader in the background. And somebody screams, open fire! And he just, like, deflects, like, laser after laser after laser with his lightsaber he slices a guy clean in half which i never noticed before he throws a dude on the ceiling and then just casually slices him at the waist while he walks by it's amazing so yeah so this girl i'm talking about by the way watches for the first time she's actively weeping with joy at watching darth vader destroy people because if you're a fan this is what you want to see. You're like, oh, yes. this is so good. And I can only imagine like going through probably the hardest experience of your life, having to wait two years to watch your favorite thing, and then getting rewarded with that. I think she'll probably remember the joy of that moment until she dies. And I've like shed tears, I think, every time I've put that on to watch it. It's, it's incredible. And again, like the scene, like again, like, 30 seconds after that, where suddenly, you know, they're on the rebel base and somebody delivers it to Leia and, you know, they say, what is this? And you turn around and it's Carrie Fisher and she looks just like she did when she was younger. And she says, hope. And again, if you end that movie right there for anybody that hasn't seen this, I don't know why you'd still be listening, but thank you for doing it. If you are. You can end Rogue One right there, and if you started A New Hope right after it, I think it'd be like 20 minutes later in the exact same spot. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. brilliant. Whoever came up with that, absolutely brilliant. And the Vader scene, I actually know that was a last-minute addition. You guys know that story? I did not know that. Really? Yeah, yeah. so essentially, like they had the movie cut, and the guy that was doing the editing kind of you know, like he's talking to talking to the director. He says, like, we need like one last thing, like one last big moment before we close this. And so they came up with the Vader. Like somebody just said, like, what if we have like Vader do one more big thing? You know, they'd had the cool thing with Vader's castle in that movie. That was so badass. And then as almost just like, oh yeah, let's just do this at the very end. They said, like, let's just have Vader kind of run down and almost get it and then it just kept building and building until they have what to me 
the fifth best scene in all 11 Star Wars movies where Vader just completely, uh, completely shows why you should be terrified of him and why everybody is in every other movie. It's great. So let's just point out right there that a top five moment wasn't originally planned. It was an yeah. add-on. That is Thank amazing. God they added it on. Yeah. And, and you talking you about think, that right? reaction video? You talking about that reaction video? If you haven't seen that reaction video, I don't care about all the reaction videos of the little kids watching Star Wars for the first time. Those are great. Go find this video that James is talking about and try not to cry yourself watching this thing because it is awesome. Especially now, you know, honestly, we're in COVID-19 world right now. We're all stuck inside. We're doing this over the phone because social distancing and just seeing that kind of joy. It's like, man, that's fresh air right now. That was good for the heart. Yeah, so that is my number four. I think what I was thinking about was, you know, I grew up being a huge comic book nerd and my guy was Wolverine, right? And reading all these stories of him being so freaking badass in the uh, comics and then just never even imagining that they would ever make a movie. And they made the X-Men movie and it's great and I loved Wolverine in it and all the cool stuff, but he never really went ham and uh, went, went to see X2 in the theater on opening night and that scene where he defends the mansion. You picked the wrong house, Bob. my jaw was just like dropped and i feel like that's how this was for like people that grew up on star wars you know it's my number four and i didn't and i'm it's just such a i always call it vader going ham like just super you know just terrifying and destroying everybody in his path so berserker mode yeah berserker mode nice so yeah that's, that's <laughs> my number four uh joseph what's your number All four right. my number four is actually the scene in rogue one uh sorry i was just getting some coffee um do you guys remember when he vader goes like nuts on everybody <laughs> at the end that scene to me is just great can we kind of talk about it a little bit <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, Joe, let's go in depth. <laughs> no, but real quick, just because everything great about it has already been said better than I can, I will say that growing up to this day, 35 years, whatever, I've seen a million badasses in fiction. It's like my favorite thing. I'm a badass connoisseur. And it pains me to say, because I'm not like the biggest Star Wars fan, you would think it would be like, you know, Van Damme or something. But. <laughs> When I saw that, I was like, that is the textbook definition of badass, the most amazing badass scene of all time. It can't be topped. So that's my number four. So um, that's yeah. <clears throat> that's really funny because that is also my number four, like I said. And <clears throat> so I, when I went in to see Rogue One, I don't know, I, I had to watch it a few times for me to like it, honestly. I don't know why. I don't know what my hang-up was on it. And I think part of it may be because I had to get over, like, there aren't a lot of really cool monsters and aliens, and that's always been, like, my deep love of it. I mean, there's a few scenes, 
And I remember being super excited by the idea that Vader has this temple that's being, you know, looked after by these, you know, people who worship him. I don't know what they're even doing there. And that temple happens to be on Mustafar where he effectively became the Vader we know him to be, which makes it even cooler. And I just remember, like, being really excited about, but when that scene was over... I was kind of pissed because I was worried that that was going to be all that they were going to show of Vader. And I was like, cause I, I guess I went into the movie. I'm just like, okay, this is going to be the movie where we get to see Vader do some really cool stuff. And I just remember like, as soon as that scene was, was over and the longer the movie went on and there was no Vader, I just became more pissed and I just couldn't allow myself to enjoy the rest of the movie. So when that scene came on, I was like, Yes. Oh my gosh, it's finally here. And as cool as Vader is, for me in that scene, what sells it is the dude who has his arm like through the crack of the door and he's like screaming frantically, take it because he knows he's not getting out of that room without being sliced to pieces. So whoever right. that dude so whoever that dude was, like his acting of just losing it and trying to like shove his arm through the crack of that door as far as he could. Like he sells that scene, like invaders not even trying. So that's just, again, it's an awesome scene of we've been wanting to see this for years and we're finally getting to see it now where he's not even breaking a sweat and he's slicing these people in half. Uh, it's just so good. So good. That guy getting his arm through the crack of the door, just screaming frantically is amazing, especially after you, you, I mean, you know that they're going to get the plans out, you know how it ends, but it's so good because you're actually worried that Vader is going to get the plans, even though you know right. that he's yeah. not, but like the buildup of them even getting the plans and you're like, holy crap, they're going to get it after all that, that they went through, even though you're like, no, they're not. Because those are the plans. And like James, like you said, how it's shot where uh, I forget who said it. Sorry. Like you could just go straight from Rogue One straight to a new hope. It's awesome. It's awesome how they how they planned that out. So I yeah, that's my number four. So I would say if we were doing a podcast right now on selling a match, that guy would still make top five. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And again, like Star Wars, I think I'm starting to realize one of the things that's so appealing to me right now is in a lot of ways, it is kind of like wrestling. You know, there are these big like, oh, my gosh, moments, you know, and uh, again, the way you're putting it, Bill Vader, just kind of doing it. The people that guy selling it, you know, saying like, take it, take it. And then 
I think there's a moment then where, like, you know, they couldn't get that door open. Vader just, like, does something that makes it open. And, again, you just see people, like, running for their lives, essentially, trying to get in this ship. And when they close the door, this one guy just screams, launch! Yeah, They're yeah. in a warship. And it's, like, the warship versus Vader, and the warship is terrified. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. great. Oh, that's the perfect way of putting it. Just imagine watching that scene for the first time with Jim Ross if Jim Ross were a Star Wars fan. <laughs> My God, Vader, Vader, Vader. <laughs> I killed him, you son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, Nick, you hinted that this scene was uh, on your list. I'm assuming it's not your number four. It is not my number four. What you got? My number four is the Detention Center Shootout, which is also known as Leia's Rescue. A little short for a stormtrooper. Huh? Oh, the uniform. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. You're who? I'm here to rescue you. I've got your R2 unit. I'm here with Ben Kenobi. Ben Kenobi? Where is he? Come on. He is here. Obi-Wan Kenobi. This scene is another, like, if I ever talk about my top five favorite movies, which is a subject for a totally different podcast, would, it, there's elements to, for me, for a perfect scene or a perfect movie. This has the elements. This has, there's comedic lines, there's action, there's, like, are they going to get out of this? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. What happened? Uh, hit a slight weapons malfunction, but uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? We're sending a squad up. Uh, uh, negative, negative. We have a, a reactor leak here uh, now. Give us a few minutes to lock it down. Uh, large leak, very dangerous. Who is this? What's your operating number? Boring uh, conversation anyway. There's everything to this scene. The big names are in this scene. So for anyone that's never seen Star Wars, why are you listening to this? But they're in the detention center trying to rescue Princess Leia. And everything that can possibly go wrong goes wrong. But at the same time, Han's still got a good sense of humor about it. How's everything going on your end, you know? That's what he says across the comm link. I, oh my gosh. So I don't care what you smell, get down there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Leia being, well, you know, I don't want you to have to edit anything out. Sweet and sassy. Yes. She's being sassy to Han. You know, great rescue here. I mean, they've got this big shootout with the stormtroopers coming in one after one after one. Yes, they're picking them off, but they keep coming. And then their escape is to blast a hole in a garbage chute. A garbage chute. I mean, who thinks of these things? And and they're all very trepidatious about jumping down this garbage chute. So they're still blasting away. And so one after one, they take their jump down the garbage chute. It, oh my gosh. It's just... I'm really trying to not, in, as we get into these top five, trying to not pound on the table because I know that's going to pick up on the mic, but I'm, I'm speaking with my hands Dude, right now. And these scenes, man. Oh, my gosh. I mean, this, you're, Don't you just kind of want to go marathon the introduced right to, them to each other for the first time. Leia has never met Han. 
Leia has never met Luke. I mean, Han and Chewie, yeah, they know each other, but, I mean, you're seeing them fight side by side for the first time. Oh, my gosh. It's, man, I just, words just can't go into how much I love this scene. It's just, it sets up all of Star Wars and that this is what you have to expect going forward. Nick, that was awesome. Crazy enough, that's our first scene from episode four, which is a great movie. Is it <laughs> really? Episode, yeah, that's the first time anybody's wow. listed yeah. anything from uh, New Hope. And see, and, that, is, that just shows how much I love that scene right there because I've been very intentional about mentioning what movie these scenes are from every time, and I totally forgot that time. <laughs> well, I'm going to follow that by immediately mentioning the second scene from episode four, number four on my list is Han shows up to save Luke at the end of episode four. Okay. So, yeah, Nick, I'm loving you kind of talking about these great, like, adrenaline moments that really make it fun and exciting. And so the whole thing with Han saving Luke, it's in a uh, a uh, fight at the end, like, you know. Uh, dog, it's a dog fight. I mean, you can. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. That's, yeah. Well, and the neat thing about it, like, if I can be a nerd and jump in about it, but, like, Lucas, when he was getting New Hope ready, he actually watched. Uh, film after film of World War II dogfights and just just did a shot-for-shot remake of other World War II stuff, but with the, the Starfighters. Yeah. Really? And if yeah, you're a he, history buff, do yourself a favor and go back and watch some of those videos and keep Star Wars in mind because, oh my gosh, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and I will say Han showing up to save Luke, you know, like the way they build that, it's kind of a surprise that he does. And they earn the surprise because they spend like three or four scenes just people saying, all right, Han, you're kind of on our side now. And him going, no, I've got my own thing. You guys do your thing. This isn't who I am. I'm not part of your little resistance thing. And this so, could be Han's redemption moment. Right. Yeah, this is. And oh, I have something I want to mention with that in a second. But <clears throat> you can tell, you know, like Leia really wants him there. And Han likes Luke and Luke likes Han and they're all disappointed in him. And again, you can tell Han, part of his character, he sort of just wants to belong. You know, he's got his friend <clears throat> Chewie. And again, he's always been alone. He's Han Solo. And so mm. him getting, you know, this moment like, OK, I'm part of a team now. It is hard for him to accept because he doesn't trust it. But then he comes through. He decides, I believe in these two people I'm in. To go along with that, Nick, you just call that Han's redemption moment. Episode nine, when Leia dies, Whoa. she's holding Han's medal. And that's the moment where, again, like you can, if you want to be romantic about it, you can say like, that's when she fell in love with him. When the whole movement, the whole resistance was about to just get leveled and floored. She's behind it. She's going to get everybody killed. And this little pirate essentially shows up and saves everybody's ass. That's it. He's the guy that had no part in this at any point, And he just showed up like, ah, okay, forget all the crap I was doing. I'm here. I'm with you. And when she dies, she's buried with his medal that he got for doing that. And again, just I think it's a very cool symbolic thing that they did there when uh, they had her holding that when she died. And then again, they give that medal to Chewie so he can finally get his medal at the end of episode nine, too. So that medal got a lot of play in episode nine, but I loved it. That was great. That really was the last box to check on Leia's list, because up until that point, you could see that she was fighting against like falling for him and she's like no there's 
you know, he's not, he's not right. He's not right. There's, but then that was the last box of like, oh, he's a good dude. He's a good mm-hmm. guy. He's got a soul. Do you think they, do you think they burned Leia's body after she died? I like <laughs> And if they <laughs> did, what did it smell like? And did, and did uh, Chewie eat any of it? He said it smelled bad on the outside. No, Chewie only eats <laughs> Chewie was about... <laughs> no, That's amazing. Chewie was about to eat it. I don't care what it smells like. It. Get down there. Chewie was about to eat it, and then the other human stared at him, and he felt guilty, and he tossed the body to the side. <laughs> yeah. Just like with the porgs. Oh, man. Perfect. <laughs> Poor Chewie was just riddled with guilt. You just can't get a meal, man. By the way, Tommy, hey, Tommy, friend of the podcast. Um, this is kind of our goalless group and Joe Tommy. here. But Tommy would have lost his crap on you guys for saying Chewbacca never really did anything <laughs> worth mentioning. <laughs> That's his favorite. Yeah. And so, yeah, Tommy, we're jobbing out Chewbacca, man. Weak, weak, man. <laughs> okay, yes, so, we know so... that Chewbacca is your spirit animal. All right, so let's let's sideline it because James, I think you, I think you're bringing something up here. So can we pinpoint a moment where Chewbacca actually did something to help? He oh, shot man. the right in the stomach. True. I mean, he's shooting and killing people, but like big heroic Chewy moment. I'm, so I'm, I'm gonna not call try- it right now. I'm not now. trying to be a heel. I'm just trying to think like. Well, in the Star Wars Christmas special. <laughs> Stop. He he did do some pretty cool stuff in Solo, like when they're rescuing the, the other Wookiee slaves and yeah. uh, the spice mines and all that. So I'm, Chewbacca's I'm, great. I love well, I Googled I it real fast, and there's helping beautifully. That's cheating. Uh, true. Yeah. Death Star. Um, rescue of C-3PO. Rescuing Han Solo from Jabba the Hutt. I he think does. Just like he was present at the time of. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. He, he, he does put Chewie credit for that. Really do us any favors? You, but you know what? I I take it back because you were saying it. He saved three PO from being melted down. If it wasn't for him, three PO would have been melted down completely. And he was the one that put him back. So that's that's his moment. There you go, Chewie. You got it. All right. There we go. Sorry. You're and out. he did choke out Lando. Almost. Yeah. yeah. Almost true. All right. Well, that kind of cancels out the three PO thing because Lando is pretty great. So <laughs> Chewbacca's so back that to be new like the throw. Randy Orton choke out clock. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> How long before Chewie does nothing? I'm timing it at eight minutes till the next time he does nothing significant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Top three. You guys ready? Here we go. Let's My number three is from Force Awakens. It goes back to the beginning when uh, you were asking James about our origins and everything with Star Wars. So, like I said, I didn't really care much about it until I got married and my wife loved him. And I remember when Force Awakens came out, we always see a movie on her birthday, which is the day after Christmas. So it had just come out. And the film nerd in me was dying to see Hateful Eight. And I was like, whatever. It's Jess's pick. So I let her pick and she picked Force Awakens. And I was like, fine, this will be all right. But, you know, nowhere near as good as this other movie. And we went and pretty much near the beginning, it's when Finn uh, helps Poe escape or vice versa, however you want to call it. And they are on that little uh, flight where they're shooting at the, they like kind of turn around and shoot back at the base. 
gotta take out as many of these cannons as we can, but we're not gonna get very far. All right. I'm gonna get us in position. Just stay sharp. Up ahead! Up ahead, you see it? I got us dead center. It's a clean shot. Okay, I got it. Call you Finn, is that all right? Finn. Yeah. Finn, I like that. I like that. I'm Poe, Poe Dameron. Good to meet you, Poe. Good to meet you too, Finn. An escape and they're back to back shooting out and they're just having a blast. And I was like, oh wait, <laughs> this is really fun. So that's kind of when I just like fell in love with the, the Star Wars and just saw it as like just fun action movies and not necessarily, you know, not everything has to be uh, Casablanca, you know. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, and I love those two together. All of the Finn and Poe stuff is great. It's hard to pick just one moment. I forget who it was was it Nick that had the other Finn and Poe moment when. He was a uh, hell of a good pilot. Hell of a pilot. So yeah, that's my number three. So you can actually, in most cases, take any of your really close friends, all the guys in this podcast included, and think back to when you thought, this is a solid dude. This is this is my guy. And this is that moment for Finn and Poe. All right. Joseph, okay. number three? My number three, uh, I'm a huge fan of Cassian. This is obviously from Rogue One, and it's when him and Jen are in, I don't know what the name of the ship is, but they're in a ship, and Jen's all judgmental of him, and she's saying, you know, you lied about why you came here. It's right after he almost kills her dad, Galen Erso. So she's basically giving him the Nazi kind of line. She's like, orders when you know what when you know they're wrong, you might as well be a stormtrooper. Um, mm. And I don't know if you guys have the ability to put this in. You could just play the clip because I can't do it justice. But he says, what do you know? We don't all have the luxury of deciding when and where we want to care about something. Suddenly the rebellion is real for you. Some of us live it. I've been in this fight since I was six years old. You're not the only one who lost everything. Some of us just decided to do something about it. I love that actor. And I love that scene just because it's like, it's almost like he's talking to the audience. You know, there's times where you start to care about like, I don't know, pick a topic, immigration or whatever. And you feel like you're all high and mighty about it because you read a, an article and then you meet somebody who's been doing it and living and breathing it. And you're like, oh, wow, you kind of get this perspective that other people have been doing this their whole lives. So... That's my number three. That's awesome. That's a good line. It's so well written. Yeah, that's a great line, man. All right. right, My, uh, actually, it's funny. I saw a thing online when The Mandalorian came out and everybody was freaking out about it, rightfully so. Um, But it was that line, but it was rewritten saying, to you, Star Wars is a new thing, but I've, it's been a part of my life since I was six years old. Like, you know, all these fans coming into Star Wars is kind of like, We've been here the whole time. You guys, you know, so that was good. I liked it before. Um, it was cool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, my number three is the cantina scene from A New Hope. Oh, 
Hey, we don't serve their kind here. What? Your droids. They'll have to wait outside. We don't want them here. Nice way out by the speeder. We don't want any trouble. I heartily agree with you, sir. And I think uh, that scene for me is amazing just because it embodies everything I love about Star Wars that it's it's weird it has all of these amazing possibilities I'm I'm sorry I can't remember who who brought that up you know that Star Wars I think James you brought up that you can do whatever you want with it uh you know you can make any planet you want you can do anything you want with it um so this idea that you have this movie that up until this point has been full of really amazing things already with the ships, uh, the Tusken Raiders, the Jawas, the Stormtroopers, droids, and all that. And then just in a space of, you know, however many seconds of them entering that cantina, you're bombarded with all of these just amazingly weird and bizarre aliens that are just hanging out in this bar. And up until that point, you're just like, holy crap, I didn't even consider the idea of an alien bar where they're just all hanging out. And Obi-Wan gives that great warning beforehand, and he's like, you're going to want to be careful in here. So it's kind of cool that Obi-Wan knows uh, the scene. I mean, that's where you meet Han and Chewie for the first time, which is super cool. Uh, Obi-Wan slices off Ponda Baba's arm just without even thinking about it. He tries to peacefully calm down he's like look let me just get you a drink and when they don't want that he's like okay second option is then i slice your arm off and nobody cares Amazing. like the, the aliens everybody <laughs> so just kind of turns and looks and they're just like hmm, whatever and then they turn away and it's kind of like what i said about order 66 being so amazing because they're just showing all these shots when they pan the crowd and you're like, no, 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 go back to the Wolfman. I want to see the Wolfman and what he's drinking. Like, no, because now here's like little bat creature who's fussing for his drink over there. And then there's the dude who's like, no, no droids, get out. And then I, I'm going to sidetrack it a little bit. And I don't want to spoil anything. Have you guys watched all the Mandalorian? Yes. Okay. Can I say something yeah. about this and not ruin it for anybody? Hey, go ahead. Okay. I'm well, it's awesome that yeah. they, they go back to the same cantina and the canteen is being operated by droids. So it's it's amazing this whole like <laughs> no droids in the cantina and now it's being uh, you know years later the scene's amazing. And and I was telling James this that it's kind of cool like side story. I'm terrible of knowing actors names or whatever. But the guy who played Greedo uh, when I was at a convention, I overheard him talking to some people when I was waiting to get his autograph cuz I'm cool like that. Um, but he was talking about when he was cast to be in Star Wars, he thought it was just going to be some lame, cheesy sci-fi movie because everything up until that point had been. You know, it's the, the ship bobbing around on a string type of thing. And he said that he knew that this movie was going to be different as soon as he walked into the set for the cantina and saw the costumes and saw the set. Um, so he said he knew as soon as he saw that this was going to be something special. So that just kind of like makes that part even more interesting to me. 
that the detail of that set and the costumes and Lucas talked about how he was never happy with it because it's never the way he wanted it to be because he didn't have the money to make it how he wanted it to be. But still, it pulled off to be awesome. So I love the cantina scene uh, for all those reasons. It's it's awesome. That's it. And the whole severed yeah, arm I, part, it just, I mean, that goes uh, right back to what I was saying about the, the Tauntaun scene of just the grittiness of the movies at the time. Star Wars was something completely different, but those little blips of like, you know, this is a sign of the time. This is the grittiness of like this, you know, it's an arm getting chopped off. You, I mean, you saw that in every Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, but here it is in Star Wars. It's like we're tying into what's current. Well, and especially and like, move... I... go ahead, James. Sorry. Right. The fact that they move right on is so great, too, because, again, subconsciously, you see that arm go off. You're like, whoa, that's crazy. And then everybody goes back to just life is normal. And you go, whoa, that's crazy. And then immediately they're on to the next crazy thing. And again, that's fairly early in the movie. So, man, right away, you're just like, okay, this is super exciting, and I can't wait to see what happens next. It's like the throat getting ripped out in Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and then the monster truck shows up. Yeah. You know, I don't want to stoke this fire of, you know, Star Wars versus Star Trek and everything. But I think the thing that I I loved about it, and I, and I love Star Trek, I think it's great, but... You know, they solve their problems by talking about it. Star Wars, they just shoot people and cut their arms off. And I'm definitely more of a shoot people and cut their arms off type of guy. Or, you know, or James, speaking your language, <laughs> throw a rock at a dog's abdomen. Uh, <laughs> which, which is amazing. <clears throat> yeah, and and like, I mean, just the whole thing of, you know, Obi-Wan is a badass. So, like, even though he's older, he is. Like, he's not afraid to cut somebody's arm off. And and that's the, you know, the first appearance of a lightsaber doing what it actually does, other than when Luke almost shoots it through his face when he looks down into the barrel of it, you know, in, in Obi-Wan's house. So, yeah, great scene. And if you think about it, too, that sets up the power of the lightsaber in that scene because it yeah. cauterizes the wound in that slice. And you don't really think about it when he sees, you're like, oh my gosh, there's an arm getting chopped off. You don't realize there's not blood all over the place. It's not this yeah. massively gory scene. It's just setting up the mythology of this this weapon right there. Well, I, I don't want to be a Dwight shrewd about it, but there is, what makes it neat for me is that they actually do show amount of blood on the on the floor when with the severed arm. Right, which makes it kind of neat for the time. It's not, yeah, it's not like buckets. It's of not blood. what it would be. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. I want to just bring up that we just spent like five minutes talking about the cantina, and not one time did anybody mutter the phrase Han shot first. Oh, James, you had to ruin it. Yeah. <laughs> I have that T-shirt, by the way. Yeah, I mean, right. it's a, it's a great scene, but like, I don't know. For me, I, maybe this like ruins my Star Wars cred. That, honestly, I don't care about that as much. If you want to talk about re-edits that bother me, the fact that they re-edited the Ewok Celebration song and the Max Rebo band, that's, that bothers me more than anything else. But that's, a, that's another conversation. Don't mess with that Celebration song. Yeah. Celebrate the love. It's amazing. Are there any other edits that bother you? I'm trying to set you up right now. Any other edits? Yes. 
I want you to say, no, no, there aren't. <laughs> well, I, I would talk about that, but, podcast. but, but I, I don't, I don't want to take anything away from my number one favorite moment of the no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Me, me said joking. Sorry. All right, Nick, what's your number three? All right. So my number three. Um, is Luke and Vader's final duel in Return of the Jedi. So oh, yeah. we, we've seen Luke and Vader fight before, either in the cave or, you know, whatever, but it's never been at their full potential. And here you see Luke in this scene of just finally being able to match Vader. Up until this point, Vader has had the upper hand every time, except for the cave. But the cave was not real. The cave was in Luke's head. So in this final duel, and, and it's not even a short thing. It's like it goes from from it's in one part of the Death Star to another part of the Death Star to another part of the Death Star. And it's, oh my gosh. It's, I mean, it's great. It's great. And then you have the Emperor come in and you have Vader's redemption in this. You see Force Lightning for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you see Luke go into Berserker mode. He almost, almost crosses over to the dark side. He severs Le- Vader's hand and looks at his own, and he he realizes that point. He's like, what am I doing? What am I doing? It's so I, good. Right. Think That's about any, any moment, any moment in your own personal life where you've just been absolutely pissed off and acting like a total dick and you get to that one point you're like what am i doing why am i doing this why how did i get here Mm. yeah it's like that talking head song which is it's not even the same direction but how did i get here this is not my beautiful chair this is not my beautiful life yeah 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 i mean oh my gosh and then i mean vader's sitting there watching the emperor kill his son and at first, he's complacently doing it. No problem at all. This is normal. Totally cool with this dude killing my my offspring. I mean, this is this is a testament to the acting of the guy under the mask. In that you cannot see his facial expression. You see his body move. And in the way his body moves, you can see him going from complacency to confusion to concern to, wait a second... No, 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 this is not happening to redemption right there. And he picks his ass up, getting shocked himself, and throws him over the ledge. <clears throat> oh, my gosh. I mean, you talk about a redemption story in a movie. This is the redemption story in a movie. I don't care what movie you put up against this. Darth effing Vader Going from I will kill you to don't touch my effing son. I mean, as a dad, that is, I mean, this has a whole new level of meaning to me. And I don't want to get into the whole, like, I'm a dad thing. It's different when you have kids, blah, 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 blah. Because, you know, kids suck sometimes. But this moment, oh, my gosh. Seriously, guys, this, uh, it's, I mean, the, the fight choreography is good enough. But you get to that redemption scene, and I, I don't care who you are. That's You're going to want to rip your heart out of your chest. I'm so glad that you have that so high because 
I almost feel like it would have somehow been egregious had that been left off. It needs to be that high on somebody's list. It's such a good part. And yet it's only number three. For you. Mm. <laughs> okay, so my number three. Okay. I'm sorry, Go Josh. for it, James. Go ahead, man. My number three, and this is, I feel like what's about to happen here might be the same thing that happened with uh, Vader wrecking crap on Rogue One, where like four of us had the same answer in a row. So I feel like this is going to be a lot of either number twos or number ones. My number three is Darth Maul versus Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Uh, the Duel of the Fates, as um, it had been referred to earlier. So essentially, here's what I really love about that scene. Uh, I have one specific moment that I love more than any others in it, okay? The whole thing's amazing, and to this day, that's probably my favorite lightsaber fight um, as far as choreography goes in any of the Star Wars movies. But the one moment that kills me, and Nick, you really did a great job of talking about this before, when... Qui-Gon Jinn gets slayed, essentially. Darth Maul slays Qui-Gon. Obi-Wan screams, no, there's that wall between them where Obi-Wan can't do anything. And you just see Qui-Gon's body just sort of, like, collapse. And then Darth Maul just starts pacing back and forth like a caged animal about to pounce. So badass. <laughs> I don't, that guy, uh, what's the actor's name who portrays him? Ray, Ray Park. Park. Ray yeah. Park, Okay. If Ray Park were just like walking back and forth about three feet apart on a like on a street, and I was a hundred feet away, and I just saw him pacing, I would turn around because I think I do not want to have any part of my. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a freaking lion in a zoo. Yeah, the way he walks is so intimidating and what they do in that scene him especially with his double lightsaber deal the two-sided ah amazing so yeah love of the fates that is my number three awesome Sorry, and again I'm... we talked Hello? about this already but the john williams score oh yeah yeah give you chills so so my number two uh i already talked about uh it was the um this is how liberty dies of the thunderous applause so I don't really have much else to say other than I just love, um, you know, the Padme being the voice of reason. Um, I, I feel like a lot of times, like, she gets painted as just, like, I don't know, like an unrealistic character that she would be in love with such a, like, you know, maniac. But I, if you watch him, she really does see it when he's turning and she kind of calls him on his bullcrap, you know, unlike Ray at the end of Rise of Skywalker, where. She just totally gives in because she thinks he's cute. So um, <laughs> I had to get that. Oh, um, but yeah, had hey, so me rules. That's my number two. Way better than Ray. Joseph, whatever. <laughs> um, my number two is Ray and Kylo fighting the Praetorian Guard in the front. Oh man! Yes, yes, yeah, so good. It was. For a while, it was my number one. Well, I guess that's kind of a spoiler, but whatever. For um, when I saw that in the theater, I was just absolutely engorged, like one hundred percent. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen. And all the mid schoolers just started laughing. I mean, first of all, I I love that. As I mentioned earlier, when when I was talking about Snoke, um, Kylo's just had enough of him. Um, if I was stretching this a little bit, moment is kind of a 
uh, a vague term, but when he kills Snoke, it is pretty gangster, and then immediately has to fight all the, the guards. And they're doing it together, and little nerdy Joe in the theater is like, they're fighting together, he's finally going to be good, not thinking there's going to be you know um, a movie and a half left where Obviously, they need him to be the villain, but I just love everything about that scene. The 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 kind of set design is is gorgeous. All the stark colors, uh, the fact that the the guards are red, it's just really really cool scene. Uh, that's my number two. All right, can I? Joe. Do you mind if I add on something to that scene? So that <clears throat> that scene was I can't remember what what number it was on, but it it almost made the list, and I think. Well, I love that scene because the visuals of it is just that even though episode eight is probably probably pretty low down on my it's pretty low down on my list overall. But I think it has the best visuals out of everything in Star Wars, like Luke and, you know, Ben and his, you know, they're in Kylo and they're they're square off. I mean, that's an amazing scene. The visuals of the Praetorian Guard is amazing. But the fact that. After episode seven, everyone's like, oh, okay, Snoke is going to be the new emperor. And then they kill him. And you're like, holy crap, they just killed him. And the way they did it was amazing. That scene was awesome. Yeah, good, good yeah. scene. And since we're here, say, go being, ahead, No, go ahead, Joe. Honestly, being a huge Snoke fan, I will say I wish there was more about him. I was That was one thing I was really... Kind of like, Bill, you were saying about Darth Vader and, and Rogue One when you were in the theater. Just the whole time, you're like, I can't enjoy this because where is uh, Darth Vader? When I saw mm-hmm. mine, I just wanted the whole movie to be explaining Snoke. And didn't happen. So I hope maybe... Snoke is a sea book. monkey. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, James. I was just going to say, this is also my number two. So I wanted to touch on it while we're here. Yeah, go um, for it. All right, so yeah, so when Kylo, u- <laughs> when Kylo uses his Jedi magic to slice <laughs> Snoke in half, I do kind of wish that they played the uh, just a real quick clip of the chorus to that Carter song, Magic. You know, he sliced, and then it goes, uh-oh, it's magic. That would have been really <laughs> badass. But in the absence of that happening, they really do kind of do the cool thing where um, Snoke, like an idiot, starts closing his eyes. It's like, oh, I can see it now. And I remember thinking, you're about to die the second he closes his eyes and there are, like, killing weapons around. Which, again, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a good way. You want to foreshadow the big events before they happen. And that one automatically, you're like, eyes closed, you're in trouble. Um, but yeah, that scene is so great. It's such an adrenaline rush. It's so much fun fun seeing Ray and Kylo on the same side. And also, final YouTube video I think I'm going to recommend this show. Look up Throne Room Scene, Star Wars, Don't Stop Me Now. Somebody re-edited that scene to the song Don't Stop Me Now by Queen, and that's yeah, pretty no fun way. to watch, Great. too. Amazing. Oh, my gosh. I don't <clears throat> find that. Nick, do you want to, was that your number two as well? Yeah, if we want to jump ahead, sure. Yeah, yeah that yeah, is my number two. Do you want to talk two? about that, and then I'll, I'll jump in and talk about my number two because it's different. Absolutely. Yep. So yeah. you, you totally read my responses that that was my number two. So this is a, wow, a not consensus, but majority number two. That's the first for this list, right? So it, it's really hard to go over anything that's not already been said. Unlike James, I did not see Snoke's death coming. Um, I, I will say that 
that was well hidden for me. I was expecting Snoke to be a major player throughout this trilogy. I was expecting him to to be the big bad throughout the whole thing. I didn't think the Emperor would come back, spoiler warning. Um, but as Ryan Johnson did with this movie... And like Bill said, this this movie is further down on my list if I had to rank all the movies um, in Star Wars. It, it's a good movie, but I I'm a big fan of when you when the movies connect, um, when you you start and and that's fully admitting that George Lucas didn't have an effing clue what he was doing from the first movie. I mean, it's obvious that he didn't expect for Luke and Leia to be brother and sister and for Darth Vader to be the father and whatever. But I'm a big fan of movies having a contiguous storyline all the way through for there not to be this big, like, right turn, left turn kind of thing. So when J.J. Abrams set all this up, you're expecting certain things, and Ryan Johnson comes in, and he says, you know, F this, I'm going to do my own thing. You know, whatever. It's I'm not going to crap any on anybody for liking the movie. I do <clears throat> like it myself. I don't love it. But I was expecting Snoke to be this big thing. But this is where it's awesome, though, is that I had my expectations, and I was dropped on my ass. I, I was like, holy crap, did he just do what I thought he did? Yep, he fell in half. It's freaking Darth Maul really all over again. Version. Yeah, absolutely. It's Darth Maul. It's like he sliced him in half. You're expecting him to be the big bad. And no, now he's in two pieces and he's dead. By the way, that's not where it ends, is that Kylo <laughs> and Rey are going to beat the ever-loving shit out of the Praetorian Guard. Oh my gosh. Like, seriously, fight scene choreography is a gorgeous thing to me. An absolutely <laughs> gorgeous thing to me. You you take a revenge story and fight scene, like a well-done fight scene, and put it together. I mean, there is, there is a reason that V for Vendetta is like my second favorite movie. Oh my gosh, this is right up there. This is even keel with V for Vendetta. This scene is. The entirety of that movie is the same to me as this scene. Just the, the oh my gosh. And, and the fact that they didn't tie it up in a nice little bow at the end and say, oh hey, Ray and Kylo are friends now. Kylo's good. No, it was just for this one served purpose of her getting out of this this situation and him taking over. They didn't have the same goal in mind, but they teamed up to just obliterate these guys that were like essentially one step below the Knights of Ren. And oh, I mean, it's I want to bring up the symmetry of the scene too. After Kylo slices Snoke the lightsaber flies into Ray's hand, right? Which is an, a callback to Episode Seven when uh, Kylo is trying to get the lightsaber and it flies right at his head, totally right past him into Ray's hand. Yeah, huh. and this time it's Kylo himself that throws, essentially, with using the Force, throws Ray the lightsaber. And again, that's such a cool, like, okay, second time we're seeing this, but now instead of fighting against Kylo, she's fighting back to back with him. Ah. 
geeked. Loved it. I mean, this is on par with some of the best damn samurai movies. Mm. <laughs> yes. Josh, what do you say about that? I don't know. I haven't seen very ser- I- many samurai movies. I have zero uh, Kylo Ren moments in my top ten. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my number two was actually my my number one, but then I, I reworked it. But it's it's Duel of the Fates. Um, I know it came up a lot. I mean, the soundtrack has been talked about. It's amazing. And I think for me, what makes it so amazing was it was such an awesome scene at the end of a movie that was not as awesome as we wanted it to be. I mean, episode one is a turd, but it still has some cool moments. Like, you know, when they're in the submarine and there's the cool swamp creatures that are trying to eat them, that's neat. You know, the idea of pod racing is cool, but the fact that it's 45 minutes long is not. You know, the Tuscan Raiders sniping them is cool and everything, but Duel of the Fates is amazing because, again, it's this big moment of we've heard about the Jedi um, all through these movies. We haven't really seen what old school Jedi can do. And now we can see two of them, the, the Master and the Padawan, fighting together against, like, a legit Sith, you know. And then even... Even the fights, like the the Vader-Luke fight at the end of Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, was amazing. And it almost got on my list. I'm like, this is a really good fight. You know, Empire Strikes Back, it's not really a fight at all because Luke just gets jacked up big time because Vader doesn't even have to swing much at all. He's just throwing furniture at him the whole time. Uh, The Obi-Wan-Vader fight in A New Hope is lame. I'm sorry. It just is like they're just dancing around in a circle, like tapping their lightsabers. And then Obi-Wan's like, yeah, I'm ready dead. So this is the first time we get a chance to see a modern day choreographed, like fight scene with lightsabers. That is amazing. And on top of that, it's a double bladed lightsaber, which we had never seen before. Uh, It's just incredible. And then the, yeah, you know, Qui-Gon being killed off in front of Obi-Wan is amazing. And then Obi-Wan's reaction of like, He's upset, but he realizes he can't be, so he has to meditate. So you have this stark contrast of like pure evil rage of the Sith, calm meditation with the Jedi, and then as soon as those you know deflector fields are out of the way, then they're at it, and it's just awesome because yeah, we've seen arms lopped off before, but then we're seeing somebody finally being cut in half, which is super cool. No one was expecting that, and again, it's kind of like I would say. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, like an early, an early, um, I don't say callback, but I guess foreshadowing in a weird way, like what we were just talking about with Snoke, because a lot of people were thinking like, oh, okay, Darth Maul, he's going to be the new Darth Vader. No, he's not because he's just been cut in half. So it's kind of a neat, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but, you know, later on, but uh, yeah, just an awesome, awesome fight scene with the music. It's amazing. And then even that line with Padme and when they're in the hangar together and the door opens and it's just Darth Maul and the music hits and she's like, we'll take another way or we'll go another way. That part's awesome because she realizes like, okay, we need to leave now while you guys tear each other apart. Uh, So just, yeah, that's my number two. Voice of reason. And let's give it up to Ray Park as well, because he was the stuntman in that. Like, there's not, like, a dude that steps in, like, hey, I'm going to be the guy to do all the fancy scenes. And 
strangely, George Lucas didn't do a bunch of crazy CGI in that either. Ray Park did that shit. It was, sorry, it was, oh my gosh. Yeah, awesome. And he's a headless horseman too, so that's Yes! Cool. That yeah. was like the, the oh my gosh, the, the period of Ray Park. All right. Before we do number ones, I, and we're there now. You guys want to do some honorable mentions that maybe haven't been covered yet? Sure. Yeah, I've got one here. So a few honorable mentions. Ray of the lightsaber, I think I mentioned that. Obi-Wan chopping off Ponda Baba's arm. C-3PO getting blasted. <clears throat> one that I yeah. thought I wasn't expecting, but Obi-Wan's monologue about the Jedi in episode four, I thought is super cool. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. How did my father die? A young Jedi named Darth Vader, who was a pupil of mine until he turned to evil, helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. He betrayed and murdered your father. Now the Jedi are all but extinct. Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force. Like, especially in light of all the movies that have come out now, and you, mm-hmm. you can go back and watch that. Like, I think at the time, maybe that scene wouldn't be all that interesting. But now that we have all these movies and everything, and you go back and listen to his monologue about the Jedi and about Vader and how he turned against the Jedi, and he gets that faraway look. Uh, great, great thing there. Jar Jar, when he spills out all the energy balls, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> when he's using his tongue to get the apples out of the bowl at the Skywalker's house <laughs> even better Misa can't get enough <laughs> when he shocks himself in the coupling of the pod racer oh my gosh when is that guy gonna stop I mean he's probably he's, he's probably got all sorts of critters up his little pants leg. You're that seriously silly, killing me right now. That that silly little guy. We knew my number one. Two legitimately argued he was the best part of the movie. Who <laughs> what? <laughs> Brian Nessler used to legitimately argue that was the best part of the movie. <laughs> that Jar Jar was the only good part. The rest was really boring. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> So oh, one man. I had pretty high that I was surprised no one else had it, maybe at number one, but it's Luke versus Kylo Ren in The Last Jedi. I just think that scene... Oh my gosh, I love that part. And then I also had K2, K2SO's Sacrifice in Rogue One. I love that scene. Um, oh yeah. I feel like a lot of the sacrifice moments in movies are really dumb because you could have just not... You could have just gone a different way or even my beloved loss, like I think Charlie could have just not died and swam out but that one actually made sense and uh the first time i watched the movie i didn't care for that character at all and then the last time we rewatched i kind of fell in love with him so that scene and then i had one from solo also is the train heist um that's so good love that scene because i love um any kind of heist is fun and it's just a really solid action scene and woody harrelson rules so that's uh my honorable mentions. Most of them were already covered elsewhere. 
I will say my honorable mention was from Rogue One, and while you all were talking, I had to look up the pronunciation because I just never have been able to say this guy's name. But it's Chirut Imway in Rogue One, uh, walking across the beach at the end of the movie. I mean, anything this guy did in this movie was just, I mean, you've got blind (laughs) samurai written all over him. I mean, just his character and his persona and everything in this. And he's walking across this beach to this console to just push this button. And you're thinking this whole time, everyone's dying around him. He's going to get blasted. He's not going to make it there. He's going to get shot. And he just makes it. And granted, yes, again, he dies after it's all over, but he completes his mission. This is why he was here, to push this button. Oh, my gosh, so great. And you wouldn't have been surprised if he dies, because that movie is not exactly an upper. You know, everybody Mm -hmm. dies at the end of that movie. Except for Vader. (laughs) Yes, as it should be. (laughs) But isn't Vader already dead inside? Mm. No, Nick, he's still alive. Luke proved that, ultimately. <laughs> you the, seem pretty happy. <laughs> my the honorable mention. Honorable, oh, go I, no, go ahead, Josh. Go, go, you go, man. So this is Joe. <laughs> Joe, sorry, um, Joe. <laughs> oh. Sorry. So I have child um, Boba Fett, even though everybody was shitting all over my beloved Boba Fett earlier. Um, holding his father's head. Yes. That's one of my favorite. Oh my gosh, I crapped myself when I saw that. Not literally, but oh my gosh. Um, I love when Kylo kills Han Solo because it's like, who gives a crap about Han Solo? Out with the old and with the new. (laughs) (laughs) Raising the Force Lightning. I love it. Maybe should have been in my top ten, especially because in the theater you obviously think did they really just kill Chewie? Um, I kind of, I, I was kind of hoping that they did. They would yeah. have. I was kind of yeah. mad when they were like, "Nope, he's still alive." It's like, come on. Especially so quick after, like, cool way to really drag that one out. Those are my honorable mentions. All right, so I want to mention episode nine, the scene at the end where after the good guys finally win after nine movies. Ray and Finn and Poe sort of like the new the new trio just sort of like collapse into each other's arms and do this like hug like oh my gosh we survived this I thought that was such a cathartic moment and a really well earned cathartic moment we didn't talk about the opening crawl nobody had the opening crawl as a moment So one of the things 
when I looked these up, I kind of fell in love that so many of them had like great first lines. Okay, so I want to talk about that for a second. In episode four, before you know what a Star Wars movie is, you know, the people going to the theater have like no context. And the first thing you read is it is a period of civil war. And so it, right away, I'm sure they were like, civil war? What's going on right now? You know, I love that George Lucas came up with the idea of just throwing you in the middle of a story instead of starting you at like the beginning. You know, I, I like that a lot better. Just throw us in the middle. Show us something good. In episode five, first line is, it is a dark time for the rebellion, which again, after episode four, you're thinking, wait, didn't they just win? Didn't they? I thought this was over. What's going on? Again, the intrigue of those first lines are really good. Episode three, the first line is just the word war with an exclamation mark. That's really cool. Episode seven, the first line is Luke Skywalker has vanished. And episode nine, the first line is the dead speak. And then it tells you Emperor Palpatine's voice is starting to be heard. And again, if you had never seen any trailers for these movies, I can't imagine not being floored by Palpatine's back. What's happening Mm -hmm. right now? So, yeah, those the scroll again, it's famous for Star Wars. I'm kind of shocked it hasn't been co-opted by some other franchise at this point because it's so effective every single time. James, I seriously love that you went there on the scrolls. That's yes, that's good. awesome. And Lucas got a lot of crap for that. He was like kicked out of some filmmakers guild because he did not start his movie of credits. Really? Like, yeah, yeah. He he was, you know, Got a lot of flack for that at the time, but that's what he wanted. And it's cool that he stuck with it. It was awesome. I mean, as much as as I like to shit on George Lucas, more power to him. Because, I mean, the opening scroll, is it's Star Wars. It's if, if any other film series, or even just a standalone film, did an opening scroll at this point, people would say, you totally ripped off Star Wars. And that yeah. movie would lose all credibility. Good stuff. Okay, Josh, how you feeling, man? All right. So I didn't say it uh, when it happened, but my number one is the end of Return of the Jedi when Darth Vader saves his son, saves Luke. Awesome. So yeah, I just I, I I had seen them, you know, prior, but once I did fall in love with the movies and we watched them all the way through again after Force Awakens, I was just like floored by the ending. I know it's famous and everybody knows what's going to happen and everything but when you watch you know one two and three or whatever four five and six and you really get like the weight of everything actually if you watch one two three four five six you know with all of the stuff that he's been through and just finally like switching um to save his son is just such a powerful moment and uh nick like you said i will probably pull the the dad card and just say like having Seeing that the first time, um, just like not having kids, and then the second time having them, really makes it seem a little bit more meaningful. So, so that's my number one: the redemption of Anakin. Awesome, nice, fantastic. Joseph, what Kylo Ren moment do you have as your number one? <laughs> so, my number one is a better redemption moment because it's Ooh. actually because he gets and to the girl sibling rivalry uh no not that part uh, so you won't be so able to win with kylo red at one no mine is from episode nine which when i saw it i immediately put it in my top 10 of all time Ooh, nice oh nice so so but my favorite moment of that movie is when kylo sees 
his father's ghost, if you will, whatever they mm-hmm. call it, force ghost, and he throws the ends up throwing the lightsaber off the the cliff. Um, oh, that was amazing! Just a very overall very powerful moment between him and and Han, and how um, he says there's a there's a couple different callbacks. So there's him saying. Uh, he knows what he has to do, but he doesn't know if he has the strength to do it. Obviously, that's what he says when he kills Han. And then, amazing Adam Driver's acting without even having to say it. You can tell he's he's really sorry and really feeling really guilty. And then, I'm not usually a huge Harrison Ford fan, but he really sells the I know here. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Just absolutely wrecked me in the theater. And that's why it's my number one. Awesome. And I'm not sure if this was the same for anybody else, but in the age of spoilers, I had no clue Harrison Ford was going to be in this movie. Zero idea. Yeah. And seeing him step onto the screen, like, I lost it. So a lot of these moments are are big for me because I can think about, like, the theater experience. I mentioned that before and a few others. But, you know, at that moment, I will never forget because there was this – teenage girl that was sitting down at the end of the row of us uh, where we were sitting and at that point like her body just spasmed because she kicked her bucket her bucket of popcorn like down the steps because that's how just how shocked she was like and how shocked everybody was so like i will always associate that moment with this girl that i don't even know like spasming and like kicking her 20 dollar bucket of popcorn down the steps because there's freaking Han Solo back in a Star Wars movie when we thought that would never happen again. Oh, it was good. All right. Such so, a cool movie. All right. So mine is probably going to be pretty lame in comparison of like big cinematic Star Wars moments. Star but moments. yeah, yeah, yeah. So my number one moment is from Return of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker confronting Jabba the Hutt and the Rancor Beast. I freaking love that scene so much, and I debated on whether or not to make it my number one, and that's kind of the reason why I put it on our family movie night watch list, because that's what we're doing now that we're quarantined. We all picked movies, and I, I made up a list, and we have movie night every night. So I picked Return of the Jedi. I'm like, okay, I just want to watch it again. And see if this is legit. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this scene. Because as a kid, my love for the weird stuff of Star Wars is 100% cemented in Jabba's palace. Like I was I about love, to say. I love everything about it. Like it, the, You can go for like the practical effects thing, the idea. Or just the, the everywhere you look in that scene... There is a new weird looking creature just hanging off a wall or in the background. And even just watching it again, I've seen this movie hundreds of times and I'm spotting new things that I never noticed in the background. So that that alone makes it amazing. But you have Luke Skywalker coming in. He's all on black, which is cool. And he's not whiny Luke from New Hope who's complaining because he can't get power converter converters from Tashi station he's not luke that's getting his butt handed to him everywhere he goes whether it be by snow creature uh on dagobah he's screwing up there vader kicks the crap out of him on cloud city like he's legit jedi 
and he comes in and he's confident. He's doing the mind trick on Bib Fortuna, who just falls for it immediately. Uh, he stands up to Jabba and he's like, look, we can make this work out or not. Jabba doesn't care at all. He's just like, I'm not falling for it. You're crap. I don't care about you. And then Luke's response is use the force to try to grab a blaster to shoot the guy, which is awesome. And then Jabba's response is, I'm just going to drop you in the pit with my giant monster with one of my Gormarian guards. So now, as a kid, I'm watching this scene of this monster eating a pig man. And the scene where, like, it shows him crunching on the head and then sucking down the hand like a thing of spaghetti. It's amazing. I Everything in that scene is what I love about Star Wars. So, like... When Han meets Lando for the first time, like I mentioned in the last episode, and there's a giant crayfish there. I love that because Jabba the Hutt's palace introduced me to that craziness. And I I think I've said this before, talking about random crap when we talk about it. But like, I blame that movie in a good way for me loving the monster crap that I love now because of the Ranker Beast eating a pig man. Like, it's it's amazing. So... Maybe not as philosophical and heartfelt, but I love it. Love it. The only reason I didn't put that scene in my top ten was because they killed the Ranker Beast. <laughs> and that's even awesome, too, because you kill the Beast, and then you're like, oh, cool, they kill the Beast. And then at the end, here comes Big Dude who's crying because they just killed the Beast and his little alien skiff guard friend's <laughs> like, oh, man, it's all right. It's okay. Like... Oh, they just killed my friend. Like, it's amazing. Like, yeah, of this is a monster, the, but that monster was well-loved. Of all the characters in Star Wars, I'm most identified with those two guys. <laughs> is that because you walk around shirtless with a headdress on? Always, especially during this quarantine. Yeah, that guy's name is like, starts with an M. I can't remember what it is now. I got to look it up here. It's MacGyver. Just say it's his name is Nick. It's fine. I'm looking it up here. Talk amongst yourselves. Here we go. Uh, Malakili. There you Jabba's go. Jabba's animal handler, Malakili, takes care of murderous ranker monster that Jabba's keeps in his pit beneath his palace. Malakili has grown fond of this fearsome beast and regards it as a kind-hearted creature and friend. And this this whole scene is the reason why that is my most treasured Star Wars figure. Like, vintage figure. Like, when I, I didn't have one as a kid, and I wanted one so bad, but I couldn't get one. But when I found one at a Star Wars convention, when I, which I went to with Bill, oh my gosh. Like, I was over the moon. The the Ranker Beast or Malakili? The Ranker Beast. Come on. Okay. Who cares about Malakili? I'm just teasing. Speaking of which, here here's a sad thing about his annotated picture here in this book. There is a label here labeling his sweat-soaked rag belt. So, You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I'm, I, I am not kidding you. There is a label for Malkili's sweat-soaked rag belt. That's oh amazing. Gosh. There, my day just keeps getting better. It's good. If, if College Nick was still around, I'd probably buy that. Yeah. What, his rag-soaked, uh, sweat-soaked rag belt? Oh, yeah. I didn't have you to just, worry about bills. You just make your own. Come on. Exactly. Sorry, we got we got a uh, sidetracked on the rag belt. Nick, what's your number that was one? A beautiful sidetrack. Yeah. 
So my number one has already been discussed ad nauseum, but I'm going to go into it further because it's just gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's Vader's Rage and Rogue One. It's, I mean, I already talked about how much I love V for Vendetta. I mean, guys, if (coughs) I, I need therapy, I swear. I know I do because a good violent scene tastefully done when it's not just blood and guts and all that kind of stuff, but it's like someone just beating the ever loving shit out of someone else. Oh my gosh. And we'd been waiting for this. I talked about this with Yoda. So, I mean, it's poignant that Yoda was my number 10 because I waited for this. And then Vader was my number one. Because I waited for this. Vader was the main impression that was set upon me from the first time I saw Star Wars. I didn't care about Luke. I didn't care about Han Solo. I didn't care about Leia. When I saw Star Wars, which was at the time just called Star Wars. It wasn't a new hope. It was called Star Wars. What I cared about was Darth Vader. Because... He had the he had the Boba Fett thing going on. It's like, look at this guy. This guy is amazing. It's oh my gosh. It's like <laughs> let's tie it back to wrestling. It's like when you first saw the Boogeyman. The Boogeyman was one of my guys because I mean, he wasn't a good wrestler. It was just the get up, the persona, the outfit, the music, everything about him was. I want to see more. I, I don't know anything great. about this guy at all. There was a wrestler Good. called the Boogeyman. Yes, look up the Boogeyman. Holy! <laughs> Did I he mean, reap souls like the Undertaker and drag no, him to hell? No, no. <laughs> I mean, he was a crappy wrestler, but his ring yeah. entrance, everything but he was about him—an amazing him, gimmick. Yeah. And, and and Josh and Josh and James, you could probably reference the guy. But who's the guy that would come out with the lantern? And now it's like his, a lantern that's his face and all right. this stuff. The wrestler guy. Anyway, Wyatt. He's the fiend. Yes. Yeah. Wyatt. The fiend. Darth Vader, to me, as a Star Wars fan, is the fiend in wrestling. Just Dude, that's every, a great analogy. <laughs> I, I really got to take a breath here because the persona, the look, there's just the way he talks. Freaking James Earl Jones, guys. James Earl Jones is the voice of Darth Vader. I didn't know who James Earl Jones was as a kid. I just knew he was scary as hell <coughs> as the voice of Darth Vader. Like, think of any really good horror movie from the 1980s. You Chopping off. Yeah, yeah, you didn't see the, the, the beast, the scary guy, the, like, oh my god, Jason... The Friday the Thirteenth. You didn't see Jason do Jack through the because he wasn't in there. It was all in your mind, and that is what Darth Vader is. So we're talking 1977 to whatever year Rogue One came out. And I know I am like going off right now, but that is how much this scene means to me. Is that I saw the entirety of Rogue One and I was like, you know what, Rogue One's a good movie. Everyone dies. It's telling a story. I felt the hurt of everyone dying. It's great. I did not expect to see Darth Vader. I did not expect to see them to tie that to the first Star Wars movie. And just as soon as that scene hits, guys, like, he just goes bonkers on these guys, and it's without effort. He's lifting guys in the ceiling. He's cutting them in half. 
He's like the terror on their faces. It's amazing. It's like I seriously could go on about this, and I'm not gonna like take up too much time on it. But like this is the scene I'd been waiting my whole life for, and I got it, and it did not disappoint. And that's Good the stuff. crazy thing. Like you know, yeah, the <laughs> first Star Wars was was it 1977? Was it? Yeah, okay. 1977. <clears throat> so that movie, legit 87, 97, like almost 40 years right from that movie to Rogue One and it was worth the wait that's crazy that is a well done scene James how many times did the Vader scene show up on our list that made that is the only scene to make everybody's list there we go that says it all right there Okay. what is your number one my number one is uh Hasn't been mentioned yet. It got touched on in uh, honorable mentions, but episode eight, where it's uh, Kylo Ren and Luke Skywalker going face to face, that scene, but specifically this one line that's my favorite line from any of the Star Wars movies. Just Luke steps out of the cave and Kylo sees him, and he's got like his whole f- like army of ships there, you know, of warships, and he says. I want every gun we have to fire on that man. Just, again, like, with wrestling, we talk about putting guys over. How guys will say a line or lose a match or do something to make it look like, okay, this other guy really is something special, right? So when he said, I want every gun pointed at that man, and then you space, like, they, you know, expand out, and you see it's like 10 giant ships there. Versus Luke Skywalker. Again, like in the movie, episode eight, Luke kind of talks about, you know, he'll make light of like the legend of Luke Skywalker. Like he's sick of it. He doesn't take it seriously. But that's the moment where I think as a viewer, viewer, you're like, this is the guy that we spent three movies and four or five and six getting invested in. This is the hero. And now he's back he's had all these years of practice and yeah luke versus the entire i keep wanting to say dark first order. order first order the entire first order you know that's there on that planet right then that seems like a fair fight luke standing by himself with a lightsaber versus a bunch of warships like okay this is awesome and then the first one shoots it's this giant laser probably like half the size of luke's body by itself and when it hits, all you see is, like, sand and red fly up in the air. And so watching this, I'm like, did he just, like, explode? You know, is that blood? And then all the other ones start firing. And again, like, it's probably a hundred different lasers over the course of a minute firing at him. That Kyler was such a this, great tease. Yeah. And, like, Kyler like Ren screaming, more! more like the whole time and then general hux who again i mentioned i love general hux starts screaming that's enough and he calls everybody <laughs> off and then he turns to kylo ren and says do you think you got him <laughs> <laughs> and then when he tries to move on that's when you see luke step out of all the dust unharmed unscathed not a scratch and then casually with just one hand dusts off his left shoulder Freaking dust off his shoulder. That's so badass in that moment. <laughs> and then Kylo, Kylo steps out, 
he gives his speech about, you know, the war is over. When I kill you, I'm going to kill the last Jedi. And then Luke has the great line where for the second time in the movie, he says, that's amazing. Every word that just came out of your mouth is wrong. (laughs) So good. (laughs) And then, you know, they have the big reveal where Kylo stabs Luke right in the sternum and the saber just goes through him and you realize this is an illusion. And then they flash to Luke on his island and he's meditating. He's force projecting. And oh my gosh, that whole scene is He's working so from home. Yeah, he's working from <laughs> home, just like social yeah. social distancing king. <laughs> and then Luke, like again, in such a great like he shows up in episode nine, but great final end to his character arc in episode eight just says he winks and says, See you around, kid. And and that's it. And man, what a good note to close on. And then you see him looking at the two sons. None of us mentioned the two sons from episode four. He <sighs> closes by looking at the two sons, just like the first major pivotal scene in episode four, where you see him longing for something more. And he's looking at it. He's like, he's become the greatest Jedi in the history of Jedi. He's just saved the resistance by himself essentially he became everything they were hoping him to be that whole movie and then he dies and it's beautiful and oh my gosh ah, love (laughs) so much so who among us didn't think when he got stabbed in the sternum that luke is the most powerful like the i mean for lack of a better way to say it the best jedi ever and then when you realize he's not even there that just raised it to a whole new level. Level. Yeah. See, I I thought he was setting himself up to pull an Obi Wan, but then when they when they did that, I mean, in a way he did, but not not in the same way. So when, yeah, I was shocked when I saw that it was a force projection. I thought that was amazing. Because and if again, you really think about it, if he was actually there, you wouldn't have even had the third movie. I mean, if he's that powerful to do that remotely. I, come on. Yeah. It's good stuff. Another cool thing. He's the only Jedi we've ever seen in Forest Project. The only other one that did it was the one that he trained, was his sister. So that's a cool little bit of continuity, too. Oh, that is interesting. So one little fun fact, and I, I'm not going to get all this accurate, so I'm not going to go movie by movie. But there is a, a new Force power that is shown in every single movie so every one of the 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 skywalker trilogy not not the rogue one and solo and all that but every movie in the skywalker trilogy there is a new force power that is revealed in that movie well i didn't know think super cool so force projection in eight nine they had the healing which is cool because that shows up in mandalorian Yep. Seven. It's the connection between Ray and Kylo. But that doesn't kick in until eight. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh Force Lightning in nine and six. Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm not i I'm not gonna do this justice, not for like the purposes of what we're doing right now. So Yeah, it's true. Yeah, there I, I know that there are new force abilities in each movie. Which is cool because it's like there's more to it than what we know already. Like there's more to the force than just yeah. what we've seen in the, you know, the first three movies, you know, that's, I mean, 
and honestly, that's that's part of what can give to the 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 staying power of Star Wars. I mean, I know like some of us were really down on like Disney buying Lucas Arts and thinking they're gonna like water it down and like just milk it for all it's worth and everything. But I mean, really, if you think about it, since they already have set this standard up of there's these new abilities that can appear, there's these new characters that can appear. If it's done right, you can conceivably carry this on. It can be the next James Bond in that it just carries on for generations. And it already has, and it can continue if it's done right. Yeah. Misa, I agree. Good gosh, Bill. I hate you so much. (laughs) You guys want to hear the metrics of what we just did? Yeah, let's hear it. Bring it. All right, so I got two things here. So individual movies, which one had or which ones had the best moments, okay? At number one, we have a tie with Rogue One and Episode 7, uh, Force Awakens, with seven mentions each, okay? Wow. Number two is Episode 8, and uh, which it. Uh, what's episode last Jedi and return of the Jedi with six mentions each next up in the number three is technically, you know, way beyond that, I guess, but empire strikes back is next with five mentions. And then we got episode nine, episode four, new hope and episode three, revenge of the Sith with four mentions. And then episode two and episode one have three mentions. And then solo only had one mention. Uh, so that's yeah. how the movies went down. So wait, did so good Return job, of the Jedi some not get bill. a mention? Return of the Jedi got uh, six mentions. Six? Okay, Second I missed most. that. Sorry. Yeah. All right. And then for the top five moments, you guys want to hear the overall top five? Yes. So this is how I did this, okay? If it was number one, it got ten points. If it was number ten, it got one point, okay? And we had... I want to mention this so many different moments. There were only see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven moments that got more than one mention. That's crazy. Mm. Yeah. We that's just cool. listed fifty. Like our fifty favorites, and there were only seven with overlap. Okay. And that I would say impressive. if we did top twenty, it'd still be the same thing. Oh yeah. All right. So number five is Luke Invader's final duel in Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number four is Order sixty six slash Vader kills uh, the Jedi while Padme Padme gives her Senate speech in Episode three. Wow. Nice. Number three is the Duel of the Fates from Episode One. Mm-hmm. Number two is the throne room scene where uh, Kylo and Ray team up for the first time in Episode Eight. Yes. And number one, Vader wrecks everything in his path at the end of Rogue One. Yeah, I mean, by ten points. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, makes perfect sense. Good job, oh, Vader. You did it. Not bad for whiny little slave boy. Honestly, guys, before I go to bed, I think I'm going to watch that scene, and then I'm going to watch that girl's reaction video. Oh, my God. So I'm kind of bummed and disappointed in the group that nobody mentioned the the old lady that tells Annie that there's a storm coming because her bones are aching. Bill. (laughs) 
Or or what about the the, or the pod racer announcer with the two heads? That guy was hilarious. Oh gosh. (laughs) Oh man. Honestly though, if 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 Mystery Science Theater ever did a Star Wars movie, let's admit it's gonna be episode one. Give it enough time, Disney will buy MST3K and then we'll get it. There's gotta be a rift tracks out there. There's gotta be. There I'm surely they would have done it by now. They could yeah. they could do that without getting into trouble. Oh, once this <clears throat> is over, guys, Rift Tracks of episode one. I'm calling it. Yeah, nice. And I think that's what we've learned today. Even when a Star Wars movie is kinda bad, it's still pretty good. Because we mentioned right. episode one three different times. That is right. true. Ah, good stuff. So yeah. That was a good so, list, guys. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Bill Thanks Nick. Thanks for having Joe. us on. Thanks so much for coming on. And aside from learning that you can generally count on Star Wars movies, Josh, do you know anything else you can count on? Death. Taxes. And Randy Randy Savage. Savage. All right, see everybody. See ya. Bye. (laughs) Bye. That's awesome.